0: Can you think of modern medicine without the use of the intravascular catheter, these devices have become such an integral and, quite frankly, indispensable component of medical practice. But we must remember that they are not without harm. As an invasive foreign object, these lines, as we like to call them, put patients at risk of local and systemic infectious complications. These complications include local insertion site infection, catheter-related bloodstream infections, septic thrombophlebitis, endocarditis, but can also include metastatic infections, such as lung or brain abscesses, osteomyelitis and endophthalmitis. Hello listeners, this is Microbe Mail and I am your host, Vindana Chibabai. On this episode of Microbe Mail, we are walking the thin line that is catheter-related bloodstream infections. Today's guest is Dr. Moleboheng Molebo Moleboheng is an outreach microbiologist covering the West Rand and Ekuruleni District hos- Hospitals in Johannesburg, South Africa. Welcome to Micromail and thanks so much for joining me today Molebocheng. Hello Ben and thank you for having me here. As always, let me remind you that you can sign up on the Microbe Mail website to receive email updates of new episode releases and storyboards. You can follow MicrobeMail on social media. Remember that we now have a Pinterest bo- board where you can find each of our episode storyboards. All the MicrobeMail links are available in the show notes of the episode. And if you're looking for CPD points, you can head over to the EM Guidance mobile application to find episodes as well as links to questionnaires for CPD points. And lastly, remember that mail is always the sharing kind of germ, so contact precautions are not necessary as you spread this one mm-hmm. along. So, Malayu Bekheng, are you ready to start walking this line with me? Yes, sure, Ren. Let's walk this fine line with your subscribers. So, first things first, we probably need to start this conversation by talking about the definition of catheter-related bloodstream infections, so how does one
1: define Crabzies? So then, uh, basically, when we talk about catheter-related bloodstream infections, these are the presence of bacteremia originating from, from an intravenous catheter. These Mm -hmm. infections are one of the most frequent, lethal and costly complications of central venous catheterization and also the most common causes of nosocomial bacteremia. Yeah, this is very true. Mm. So I guess the question we need to then
0: ask is, are all IV catheters created equally (laughs) and are they all equally responsible for causing Krabzies?
1: Well, um, not quite. The incidence of catheter-related bloodstream infection varies by the type of catheter used, the frequency of catheter manipulation, and also patient-related factors such as the underlying disease and the acuity of the illness. Okay. Although, um, I must say, peripheral venous catheters are the devices most frequently used for vascular access, Mm -hmm. the incidence of local or bloodstream infections associated with these catheters is usually low. The majority of serious catheter-related infections are associated with central venous catheters, especially those that are placed in patients in the ICU. This may be due to the fact that central venous access might be needed for extended periods of time and the patients can be colonized with hospital-acquired organisms and the catheter can be manipulated multiple times per day Mm
0: -hmm. for the
1: administration of fluids, drugs and blood products. Moreover, Mm -hmm. some catheters can be inserted in urgent situations during which optimal attention to antiseptic uh, techniques might not be feasible, as you know how it happens in emergency situations. Correct, yeah. Yes. That's
0: understandable. So then we need to talk about what factors might actually result in a line causing catheter-related bloodstream infections.
1: So um, acquiring a catheter-related bloodstream infection depends on the underlying disease. Mm-hmm. The method also that is used for catheter insertion, how the line was inserted, the site of the catheter insertion and duration, and also the purpose of catheterization. Another medical procedure associated with an increase in the risk of catheter-related bloodstream infection is the administration of parenteral nutrition through intravascular catheters, and that can also be used a lot in most of these patients. There's also local risk factors, such as poor personal hygiene, occlusive transparent dressing, Moisture around the exit side, staphylococcus aureus nasal colonization, and contiguous infections that support the role of bacterial colonization in the pathogenesis of catheter related bloodstream infections. Okay, yeah, so but there are other uh, risk factors which can be found, especially in renal patients who are undergoing dialysis, and these can include contamination of the dialysate or the equipment, inadequate water treatment dialyzer reuse older age higher total intravenous iron dosage increased recombinant human erythropoietin dose lower hemoglobin levels lower serum albumin levels diabetes mellitus peripheral atherosclerosis and recent hospitalization or surgery so the rates of catheter related bloodstream infections will vary considerably in different studies
0: yeah, you know, different studies in different patient populations. Oh, most
1: definitely, most certainly, yes. <laughs>
0: That's a long list of risk factors. And I yeah. think it's, you know, it's almost like you need to walk around with a
1: checklist to make sure that you've you've thought of all of the risk factors. Exactly. But I think if you know your patient profile or your patient population, you will know what's commonly seen true. in that particular set of patients, yes.
0: Okay, so then one w- when would one suspect a CRABSI in a patient with a central venous catheter or similar line? Clinically. 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 So, I
1: mean, your clinician will usually suspect it in a patient using a central venous catheter who presents with fever or chills, Mm -hmm. unexplained hypertension and no other localizing signs. So you would have excluded uh, other reasons why the patient is having pyrexia. Mild symptoms include malaise and nausea and severe symptoms include high fever with rigors, hypertension, vomiting and changes in mental status in the setting of a normal catheter exit site or mm-hmm. tunnel or in a normal physical examination. Okay. The exit site infection is indicated by the presence of erythema, swelling, tenderness and purulent drainage around the catheter exit and the part of the tunnel external to the cuff. So also in patients who do not respond appropriately to treatment we should consider severe sepsis and metastatic infectious uh, complications such as infective endocarditis, mm-hmm. septic arthritis, osteomyelitis, uh, spinal epidural abscess and septic emboli. So you have to really look at your patient properly and wake them up fully.
0: Yeah, so a central venous catheter isn't just that simple central venous catheter infection. Exactly. Because you can get very severe systemic complications. That's
1: true. Disseminated. Mm.
0: Okay, (laughs) we're going to move on now to the microbiologist's pet peeve. (laughs) Are you ready for this one? (laughs) And that's how we make the diagnosis of a catheter-related bloodstream infections. Um, and, you know, there are specific diagnostic techniques. Um, so can you talk us through these line removal diagnostic techniques and line sparing diagnostic techniques? And I say that it's a pet peeve <laughs> because it, we talk about it all the time. All the time. Ben. And, and, and uh, at each and every ward <laughs> round. Yes, that's and, what we discuss.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So, I mean, firstly, when we consider a lab diagnosis of catheter-related bloodstream infection, as a microbiologist, we require a positive culture from blood taken from a peripheral site and a clear evidence that the catheter is the source. Mm. This is in addition to the clinical manifestation of infection and the absence of apparent source of bloodstream infection. So we look at the differential time to positivity whereby a non-quantitative blood culture taken from the central venous catheter becomes positive at least two hours earlier than the peripheral blood culture. And in this case, this will be a line sparing technique for the diagnosis of catheter related bloodstream infection. And when the line is removed or the line removal diagnostic technique, we look at a positive semi-quantitative catheter tip culture. So in the lab, we would have looked for more than 15 colony forming units of the actual organism. Mm. And this will be with the same organism, species and antibiogram isolated from a catheter segment and the peripheral blood culture. So we will pair the the central line right. with your blood culture. Hence, you will see or you will hear in the ward rounds, we usually ask if they say there was an um, organism culture on a central venous catheter we ask was there a peripheral culture collected when the central venous catheter is removed because we do need to compare or pair those two together. Correct. Yes.
0: So also just for the, for the clinicians listening you will always find that semi-quantitation on the laboratory report from microbiology stating the number of colony forming units that were, in fact, identified. So it's important not just to look at the organism that was cultured, but for a central line specifically that was sent for MCNS, look at the number of colony-forming units that were seen. That's true,
1: yeah, because that that will show the significance of that culture that you have. Correct. So when
0: it's less than 15 colony-forming units per mil, likely it was just a colonizer
1: of the line.
0: That's true. And doesn't actually need to be treated. Yes, sure, Definitely. And as I always say, when in doubt, just pick up the phone and phone the microbiologist to discuss. (laughs) That is very
1: important. And I like that because, yeah, we are open to to any queries. I mean, you've got our numbers. Yeah, it's very important.
0: Okay, so then talking about the treatment now, moving away from diagnostics. Treatment of Crabzi is not actually as simple and straightforward. And unfortunately, we've got a short episode, so we can't really go through and do a comprehensive job. Um, of discussing all of the treatment components. That is
1: so true. Yes.
0: But can you maybe give us some general advice regarding management and a couple of tips?
1: Yeah, Van, you are so correct. Management is not just straightforward and a simple thing. And like you say, we've got such a short duration of time, we'll just need to summarize some of the general concepts that one can use to decide on how to manage a patient with a catheter-related bloodstream infection. So catheters should be removed from patients with catheter-related bloodstream infection associated with any local or systemic inflammation or immunocompromised condition. Antibiotic therapy for catheter-related infections is often is- initiated empirically and the choice of antibiotics will depend on the severity of the patient's clinical disease, okay. the risk factors for infections, and the likely pathogens associated with a specific uh, intravascular device. Okay, Vancomycin is re- recommended for the empirical therapy for gram-positive isolates mm-hmm. such as methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, also note that coagulase negative staph catheter related bloodstream infection there is generally no need to initiate antibiotics just the line removal is adequate I mean we find that a lot of times clinicians do start the patient on vancomycin even if it's we know it's a skin colonizer so one will actually need to keep that in mind when you get a Coagulase negative staph catheter related bloodstream yeah. infection.
0: It's a pity this is an audio only podcast. Otherwise, we would have put that in bold underlined Yes, and red text. yes, <laughs> and red
1: text. Yeah, so certainly. Yeah. And then when you think about grim negative bacilli, uh, empiric cover should be based on your local antimicrobial susceptibility data and the severity of the disease. In addition to the coverage for gram-positive pathogens, empirical therapy for suspected catheter-related bloodstream infection involving femoral, femoral mm-hmm. catheters in critically ill patients should include a coverage for gram-negative bacilli and candida species. Okay. Yes. So, definitely. Um, the choice of antimicrobials should be based on your local epidemiology right. at all times, yes. There's also um, other therapeutic options such as antibiotic lock therapy for catheter salvage. However, if antibiotic lock therapy cannot be used, systemic antibiotics should be administered through the colonized catheter. That will help also in terms of if you have um, biofilms in that catheter. Lastly, since catheter-related bloodstream infection is a healthcare-associated infection and thus aertogenic in nature, the main management strategy is, in fact, prevention rather than cure.
0: Okay. So just, you know, one point to add on to that is that the antibiotic lock therapy is it's kind of salvage therapy. So if you've got patients who um, you really can't find other venous yes, access, yes. it shouldn't be kind of. It should, like it, ra- yeah. Yeah, it should be like your last resort.
1: Yeah, it should be like your last resort if you want to have to really yeah. go that route. Yeah.
0: No, and I, I completely agree with you. It's an, it's an iatrogenic infection. Yes. Um, and so we need to make sure that our focus is on prevention and not cure. Yes, certainly. Is. So then that brings us to the next question then. So can you briefly explain to the listeners how crab disease can be prevented?
1: Yes, Finn. I mean, I know it's just a cliche that yeah. um, everybody use prevention is better than cure. But let's just practice that cliche yeah. in our <laughs> setting. So the key components of prevention are in the preventative programs provided by the CDC and the ETA includes hand hygiene. So hand washing yeah. with soap and water or even using your alcohol based hand wrap. You need strict aseptic techniques, so with your maximal sterile barrier precautions, mm-hmm. you need to use 2% chlorhexidine skin preparation for disinfecting or cleaning the skin prior to insertion. Okay. You need to avoid femoral vein as a choice of central line placement, yes. preferably go for a subclavian vein insertion. You need to promptly remove when no longer required. And replacement of central line placed during an emergency situation as soon as, uh, like, for example, as soon as possible, like maybe 48 hours after you've inserted it in an emergency setting, it is useful to actually uh, replace it after years. Furthermore, there's guidelines for maintenance of central venous catheters, and in our setting, we make use of the bundles of care to ensure good maintenance of um, our catheter venous, um, our central line venous catheters, yes. And that
0: recommendation to remove the emergency placed central lines within 48 hours is, is, it's a practical one because usually in an emergency situation, you probably haven't adhered to all the IPC recommendations and the likelihood of developing
1: an infection from that line is That's higher
0: mm. because of the urgency of
1: putting it in. That's true, yeah. most definitely, especially okay. in our very busy um, emergency departments. departments. Yeah. I mean, you can see at some stage with BARA when you've got a whole lot of uh, <laughs> accidents or maybe, you know, a surgical uh
0: Emergency emergencies, emergencies yeah.
1: and the likes. You do need to be very quick in terms of insertion, yeah. so you may miss a few steps in the True. your aseptic technique. Okay.
0: Okay, M guess what? It's game time. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: let's get this game going.
0: <laughs> oh look, Kathleen's standing outside.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, ladies. Hello, Kevin. I hope you are ready for some microbe riddles. Okay. okay. We're gonna play the best out of five today.
0: Oh, okay. okay. So mm. good luck to you.
2: Let's see who's gonna beat you. No pressure. Um, listen carefully. If I need to repeat something, please tell me. Okay. okay. Do we just um, shout out the answer? Yeah, you shout your name. Okay. And then I'll select you, and then you're allowed to speak. Okay. Okay, okay. right.
1: <laughs> Are okay. you ready? <laughs> yes, <it's> ready.
2: <laughs> Okay, question number one. This drug is very rarely used as a first line agent, it is one of the big guns. I will help you when the infected source is in the abdomen. I struggle against pseudomonas. Then, Yes, Vin? Tag clean. Perfection! Yay! Yes. <laughs> <That's> for me. <laughs> so, one for Vin. Question number two. This is a gram-positive organism causing green discoloration on blood agar plate. If it causes a lung or a brain infection, penicillin or ketrizin will save your patient.
1: Would that be a streptococcus? Yay!
2: That is correct. Well done. One ball. This is going to be a tight game. Okay, are we ready for question number three? Yes. Yes. Let's go. I am a gram-negative bacillus. Mm. Pretty and cute in pink Mm. because of a red pigment I produce. Vin. Oh baby, even finished. I still wanted to sound stronger than Callistin, but Vin, what is your
0: answer? Seraceia <laughs> music. That is correct, Okay.
2: <laughs> so we've got two for Vin. Yay! Next question. Question number four. I am a gram-negative bacillus. once again. Okay. Found in the urine. In the lab, I'm indoor positive. Need I say more? Yes, e. Perfect. Perfect. No. <laughs> we are at a tie. Okay.
0: <laughs> Tiebreaker. Yes.
2: I'm <it's laughs> <us> stressing you. <laughs> okay. Final, final question. Mm-hmm. Here we go. I cover gram negative bacilli. Well, except for the non fermenters. Okay. I'm a once daily dose and the narrowest spectrum of my class. Then well mm. mm-hmm. what is your answer? yeah Yay! <laughs> oh, ben. we have a Yay. winner! That win. was fine <laughs> Well done, um, we thank you. you. You'll come for revenge next
1: time. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'll definitely come <laughs> <slash. laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen.
1: We'll it was fun. Soon. Yes, I'm
2: going to go work on some more riddles. Okay. Yeah, Kay. good idea. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Kathleen. Enjoy.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, that was <laughs> fun. <laughs>
0: It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. So I had a microbe name ready for you. Oh, you anyway, did? Okay. And I think yeah. for just for being such a good sport, and it was <laughs> such a tight game anyway, I think I'm going to bestow upon you, mm. Coloyani bacillus. Oh.
1: Molebochengiae. <laughs> oh my goodness, who's going to remember that? I don't know. Like any of the other microorganisms. That's true. <laughs> We're going to have to shorten it somehow. Yes. <laughs> Awesome, thanks Mm -hmm. So we're almost at the end So do you have any
0: final tips for our listeners?
1: I'd like to actually end By quoting Dennis Parsons-Burkett Who said Diseases can rarely be eliminated Through early diagnosis Or good treatment, but Prevention mm. can eliminate disease. Mm. So let us do our best to practice good clinical practice to ensure infection prevention for our patients. Thank you. That's a good one.
0: Thank you so much for joining me on Micro Mail, Mole I hope you'll come and join me again sometime in the future.
1: Oh, thank you so much, I'm really, really honoured and thank you for hosting me today. I really enjoyed everything, towing the line. The line. <laughs>
0: We always love receiving your feedback about each episode, so pop us a message by email or on social media to let us know. So that's it from me, Vin, your Microbe Messenger. See you again soon with more contagious mail.